show that nobody listening. Ain't nobody listening. Ain't nobody listening. Listening to Ain't Nobody Listening on your favorite station in the whole wide nation, Oman FM. And with me now is Liz Wood from Muscat Dog Adoption. Liz, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for inviting me. Now, this is one of those topics where it makes a lot of people uncomfortable, but it needs to be talked about. Yeah, indeed. It's, it is a difficult conversation to have, but it, it is important to get the message out there. Um, and there are lots of people who. Um, are very passionate about animals, so yeah. um, it's good to get the message out and, yeah. and hear people's points of view. Yeah, so let, let's start from Muscat uh, dog adoption. When did that start and why? Okay, so I had to get a little history lesson on this because okay. I've only been doing this two years. Oh, so it was there before you got it's there? It's actually been there for quite a while. Since about 2005, it started as an animal rescue organization. Um, it became Muscat Dog Adoption um, in 2012. Mm. Um, I mean, there there are other rescue organizations out there as well, um, but Muscat Dog Adoption was, was around in 2012. And we've had numerous volunteers and coordinators, you know, through the years. Mm. Um, uh, many of them now don't even live in Oman, but they are still volunteering for Muscat Dog Adoption. Mm. So all our posts and things like that are actually done by a lady in the UK. Okay. Um, and she organises a lot of the things to do with uh, getting the dogs abroad, um, contacting the rescues. So thank goodness for things like social media and WhatsApp and that because I've never actually met this lady okay. only, only on WhatsApp yeah the brave new world indeed <laughs> and, um, do you know how why it started so I think I mean I think most rescue organizations start with it with a passion uh, from people you mm. know wanting to help the animals in the country that they're in mm. obviously stray populations around the world are it's a massive issue you know and and some countries are further on Um, mm. moving forward to sorting out the stray population mm-hmm. um, but I think a lot of it is is expats and Omanis coming on board to try and and help the animals in the in the in the country that they're living in yeah uh, so let's be completely real here you say some countries are further along where are we here in Oman so t- to be honest I mean if you look at Europe and places like that that they're, they're a lot further along you mm. know that I mean I, I think I believe I read somewhere in the news a few months ago that that Holland had almost sorted out or the Netherlands had almost sorted out its dog population, its stray dog population. Um, Other countries are not as far along, but they have got initiatives in place to support the stray population. Things like trap, neuter and release, which I'm sure we'll talk about more in a minute. Now, the Gulf states... To be honest, Oman's not as far as along as it could be. Mm. Um, there are initiatives in place uh, in places like the UAE that mm. are further along than we are, but we could be using that as a model in Oman mm. to improve the the conditions and and reduce the stray population um, in a humane way. When, where does Muscat dog adoption come into the picture? What does it What does it do exactly? That's so different? basically, what we do is is we try and do trap neuter release, but we're a little bit rubbish at the release part. We we love our animals, <laughs> so you know people contact us about stray dogs or this that and the other. Um, and what we try and do is is we will try and take the dogs in if we can. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't always do that. The amount of messages we get every day 
saying, can you help us with this dog? Can you help us with this dog? We can only do so much. We're a team of volunteers. Many of us work full time as well. Mm-hmm. So we, we try and take the dogs in. You know, if they're injured, we'll get them to the vet. The vets are fantastic over here supporting us. You know, we, we can just drop in with a dog or a cat if it happens to be a cat, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they will try and see us straight away and, and, and help us with that. Um, then what we do is we will try and find a foster home for them somewhere where they will stay. And we then put them up for adoption. Firstly, in Oman or Muscat Dog Adoption, the Facebook page, the Instagram, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of it's through word of mouth. Um, people who've adopted from us before. We try and put them up from adoption here. There's a whole process that the people go through before they can actually adopt a dog. Okay. Um, they have to fill an adoption form. Mm. Uh, they have to have a chat with me <laughs> on the phone. What are you looking out for? Um, so basically there's some some basic questions like dog experience. We don't, uh, dog experience is not essential. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you're looking at a waddy dog, you yeah. know, They're highly intelligent and high energy. So if you've not had a dog before, you need to you need to know what they're like. What they're, are they like? High energy, highly intelligent. You have to walk them a lot? Uh, at least twice a day, I would say. But Ooh. having, you know, two 30-minute walks a day. But obviously here, the, the, there's a limited number of dog parks. Mm. So you're talking about walking dogs on leads, obviously, for everybody's safety. Um, but obviously, if you've got a garden, you can play with them and things like that. So, so we yeah. do check dog experience. And obviously, if people are choosing a particular dog, we would know the dogs and what personalities would fit. We also do a, a video house check. Uh, COVID brought that in. Um, otherwise, I'd be visiting everyone's houses uh, just to check like security for gates, etc., etc., where the dog mm. would be kept. We don't allow the dogs to be kept outside for obvious reasons, particularly the summer. Yeah. Um, and then once we've done that, if people have got dog experience or they've got dogs already... Um, I, I might meet them at the shelter, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a moment. Mm. Um, get an idea of which dog they would like, get them to meet the dogs. We have more of a conversation and then we'll do like a month's foster trial so they can try the dog for a month mm. or we can do a play day if they've got another dog. So we, we take lots of small steps Interesting. and then after a month they can um, choose to adopt or they can return the dog. Yeah. You know, in any time during that period, if it's not working out. Do, do people ever return a dog? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So we don't always get it right. Okay. You know, we don't always match the dogs correctly. Or um, to be honest, a lot of the time it's the puppies that don't work out. Everyone thinks What? puppies are cute and fluffy. Are they not? Uh, they are cute and fluffy, <laughs> but they're not easy. It's like having, well, so I've been told it's like having a toddler in the house. <laughs> you know, it's a toddler without a nappy. <laughs> Peeing and pooing everywhere around the house, you oh, know. No. So puppies, puppies generally work out if they're in a house with a garden. Because yeah. you can just put them outside apartments. We have a very small success rate of puppies in apartments. Everyone thinks they're cute. Of course, they grow up. Average Wally dog is 18 kilos. Whoa. So, but we've got dogs up to 35 kilos. Whoa. So everything from 12 to 35. So, you know, we've got to try and match the right dog to the right person. So we do adopt here in Oman. Mm. Um, but we also send quite a few of our dogs abroad now. Um, and that's uh, a lot of the work from Laura, who's in the UK, mm-hmm. running the Facebook page and everything. So you send the dogs to the UK? We do. And that's that's a specific person that has adopted it. So these people are trusting us. They might pick a dog. We do the same checks. Laura then has a conversation with them on the phone, mm-hmm. obviously, because she's in the UK. Um, and then I have a conversation because I know the dog's over here. And we try and match the person to the dog. Mm. So we've actually... 
We've actually had two this week. Um, but that doesn't mean they can fly straight away. For the UK and Europe, they've got to have a blood test. So that's three months that they need to be here. Three months? Before for... they can travel. What are they testing for? So this is what's called the rabies titer test. Oh. Um, so they, they have to have their rabies vaccine, but they have to pass a blood test to show that they've got the antibodies. Mm. So in the UK and Europe, they used to have three months quarantine when they arrived. But they've changed that. And now basically the quarantine is here So they have the test and then they stay here for three months, then okay. they can travel. So that's that's how the UK works. And then we were sending a lot of dogs to America, but the CDC brought in a ban. Oh no. 113 countries, <gasps> including Oman. Why? What's um, the reason? Again, it comes back to the rabies. Um, according to the news and what I've read, they have said that the, the false documentation and the prevalence that I think they had, I can't remember the exact number, but their, their rabies cases of dogs coming in was going up. So they put a complete ban, mm. including pet owners, bringing their dogs back into the country oh, man. Um, for a year. When um, did this happen? So this <laughs> smack bang in the middle of COVID. So July uh, last year. Now they've said it was for a year. What they've started to do is let people who have pets take their dogs back in, but they're requiring the tighter tests that like UK and Europe. Mm -hmm. Are requiring, which is which is fair enough, you know. And we're just waiting to see what what they put in place from kind of July because we've got rescues in America that we already work with, mm. happy to take our dogs. You know, you've got populations in America and Canada, much larger populations, more people with dogs, more people with gardens. Mm. So we've got more chance of getting our dogs rehomed over there than we have here to be honest yeah so that's what we do we're still working with canada at the moment because we can still send dogs there you said the trap neuter release a couple of times it's like uh, it's like this philosophy it sounds like what can you elaborate on that yeah so basically what a lot of countries do is is the stray population of dogs is they trap the dogs using humane traps mm -hmm. obviously putting food in and trying to trap the dog that way yeah. and then the dogs are taken to the vet they are neutered or spayed male or female They're given a few days to recover mm -hmm. and then they are released again into the same location where they were found. And what's the idea there? So basically it means that they can't breed. Yeah. So there's no more puppies. So although there will still be a stray dog population, if every dog in Oman that was a stray was, was neutered, eventually the population would die out mm. through natural causes. So rather than using any other ways to stop the dogs... You know, longer term, it does take a long time. It's not an instant solution, but longer term, this is this is how the population could be reduced in a humane way. Um, but it is a massive undertaking. <laughs> I I feel like from a philosophical standpoint, it's it's like yeah, I can see how this is a more humane way, but it's not completely humane. <laughs> You know what I mean? No, no, it's not completely humane. Because you are still putting the dogs out there to fend for themselves. But then if you weigh all the other options, this is the best option. At the, at the moment, my opinion is at the moment, that is the best option to try It's and reduce. It's a moral conundrum. It is. And, and, all, and the dogs you catch or, or trap, you know, as I said, muscat dog adoption, we're not great at the R. We're not great at the release. Um, we trap and neuter and then we tend to keep them, uh, which is why we end up with too many dogs, to be honest. Okay. Because so many of the dogs that are trapped are friendly. So if they can be put into a home, either in Oman or in another country, then we will try and do that. Mm. But not all the dogs are friendly. Mm -hmm. You know, some are a bit too feral. But so for those ones, 
that is really the best option. Now, I know in some countries they have some amazing ideas. I know, I can't remember which country it is, but they have, um, I remember seeing a picture of it. Um, I think it's a plastic bottle deposit. As you put a plastic bottle in for it to be recycled, mm -hmm. dog food comes out the bottom. So it feeds Ooh. the stray dogs. So it, it's a way of people feeling like they're doing their bit for, for the stray dogs. Because yeah. I, I know, for example, um, I know that a lot of tourists come to Oman. Um, we've actually had my first rescue um, was uh, a couple from America. They came over and they found um, a puppy next to its dead mum on the side of the road. They didn't leave it there. They picked up the puppy, obviously checked the mum, and they took it with them up to Jebel Akhtar and, and all around. Mm. And they contacted us when they got back to Moscow and said, can you help? And I remember going and picking this puppy up two years ago. Um, at Kian, his name was. Mm. And we basically took him in, we got him fostered, and that couple actually ended up adopting him. Oh. So we then sent him to America for them to adopt. So, you know, tourists don't like seeing the stray population of dogs here. You know, I think we need to do something, and we, I mean, as a country and all yeah. the expats, need to do something about that. You know, it's not nice for people to come along no. and see the stray dogs or the stray cats. The number of people that we've had message saying, oh, I found this stray cat, what should I do, what should I do? And we can say, we'll take it to the vet. Mm -hmm. But after that, what do the vets do with it? Yeah. You know, there's no... There's no shelter option uh, or anything like that at the moment. Um, people are trying to do their best to help these animals, but there's not the chain. We're doing our best to do a little bit of the chain, as are the other rescue organisations. But it needs to be bigger. Mm. It needs to be. It needs to be throughout Oman. Um, what other cool ideas are there from different countries? Well, one of the one of the things that's happened in the UAE yeah. is uh, this was what I heard from a friend. Mm -hmm. So basically, the UAE, uh, the government actually gave some land. Mm. Um, I don't know who to, but they gave some land. They built actually a boarding facility for dogs. Now, here we have a few boarding facilities already, but not enough. Mm. You know, that we're always scrabbling for places at these boarding facilities. They built this boarding facility and then people, when they go on holiday, you know, they pay to board their dogs at this facility. Mm. Then... What then happened was, is they built like a second facility on that site and the money that came in from boarding the animals then paid uh, to start with for trap, neuter, release. So the local vets would then do the spaying and neutering. The dogs would stay. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of paperwork involved. Where were the dogs picked up from? Make sure they go back to the right location. Make sure you've got experienced people handling the dogs yeah. because, you know, dogs pick up on nerves very easily. But what happened was, is eventually the boarding facility was paying for the trap new to release. And also they had enough money that they then got their own vet in. It's brilliant. So basically it's paying for itself. Yeah, they turned it into a business model. It yeah. is, but not necessarily with a profit. No, not with a profit. It, but exactly, it's, yeah. it, it, it has worked. Um, I feel like that's the only sustainable way forward. Yeah, yes, I think so. I mean, I think to start with, even if we can get the trap new to release started, yeah. you know, but I think longer term, you know, if you had a, a really good piece of land that could be built on, you know, with with the expat and the vet experience and other people's experience and, and what we've got in other countries, setting up a boarding facility and then like a, a almost like a, a, a an opposite, a parallel hmm. type facility for trap new to release, then... You know, the dogs that aren't friendly enough to be rehomed, they're trapped, neutered, released. And mm. then if they are friendly enough, then you've got 
all the rescue organisations working together to try and find these dogs homes, whether it be in Oman, whether it be in Canada, UK, Europe or wherever, you know, and I think longer term, that's the more sustainable option right. rather than, and I know the rescue organisations, I know everyone works very hard. I, I joke saying this is my second, this is my second full-time job. <laughs> um, you know, we, everyone works really, really hard, but we're only scratching the surface. It needs to be bigger. Um, it, it needs, um, um, you know, a piece of land, you know, I don't know how much that costs. I don't know. Um, but a piece of land slightly further out of Muscat, you know, some money to get things started or built, and then it would become self-sufficient eventually. Has the stray population in Oman, has it been getting better or worse? So, um, I mean, I've, I've been here nine years, but I've only been doing this two. Mm -hmm. um, and interestingly, I never find stray dogs. Um, it's really interesting. Okay. <laughs> you know, I work for Muscat Dog Adoption. Everyone messages me about stray dogs. Okay. I never see them. Yeah. I see a few stray cats, but... Um, to be honest, I think the stray population is getting worse, hmm. um, as I'm sure many people are aware. Um, uh, a few years ago and, and previous to that, that there, there, there has been reports that dogs were being shot, mm -hmm. you know, to try and control the stray population. And I know there are a lot of people who are scared of dogs. And I also know that a lot of people get annoyed by dogs barking. I, I had a pack at my old, old house a pack of eight dogs that barked every morning from three o'clock to seven o'clock in the morning oh for about God. two months. It drove me mad. <laughs> But, you know, by trying to trap them, neuter them, potentially rehome them, mm. you know, relocating doesn't work because you can't relocate these animals to another place because there's most probably another pack there and they're just going to end up fighting. You're going to end up with injured animals, which is just not humane. So you've got to release them in the same spot. You've you got to release them. them in the same spot. Um, yeah. And that's where the record keeping comes in, you know, pin location. Where did these dogs come from? Release them back in the same place. I want to pause for a moment here and just acknowledge what you just said. You said a few years ago, dogs were shot down. I, I, I Speaking to you off air, because this is honestly a topic that does bother me because I've witnessed it myself. Um, you got reports that they don't do that anymore. Yeah, so so I have been informed that the ROP are no longer shooting the dogs. Mm. It appears that the number of uh, dog shoot shot victims is reducing. Um, but of course, the other side of that is the stray population is going, going up. up. Right. But then we're not having dogs coming in with horrific wounds, yeah. you know, and bullets in them and, 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 and literally not surviving. That's um, one one good news here. <laughs> it is it is good news. Yeah. It is good news that, that that the shooting has stopped. Okay. However, I mean, we have had reports of dogs still being shot, but it turns out that it, that it wasn't uh, the officials. Mm. It seems to be um, the, 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 the normal everyday people. Unfortunately, yeah. you know, that are still doing that. I've I've unfortunately been sent some horrific pictures. Oh, you know, of dogs being shot, and when when the ROP have been called to pick up and, and, and they've done an autopsy. It wasn't them that had done it. It was someone else, you know, and I think one of the main things, I'm, I mean, I'm a teacher. Education is the key right. you know, from a very young age. You know, it doesn't take anything to walk away from an animal and just not bother it. You know, I mean, if you come across a dog and you're nervous, you just walk backwards slowly, not shouting anything, and just leave the dog alone or leave the cat alone. You know, you don't need to throw stones. You don't need to shout at it. You know, so many of our dogs are extremely nervous um, of new people. Um, and anything, like you pick up a stick, 
ugh, they pancake to the floor. They're terrified. So you don't know what they've gone through as a puppy or mm. a dog on the street, but you get an idea of, of how they've been treated. And I think education from a young age about just treating every living thing just with respect, yeah. a bit of kindness. You don't have to go out and feed or put a water out. You just leave it alone, you know, and I think that would do a lot, you know. I want to ask you, Liz, if you don't mind, um, what got you into it two years ago? Okay, so <laughs> so I've actually been in Oman for nine years. Yeah. Um, and uh, a couple of years ago, um, my husband was over here with me uh, and he doesn't work. So he we looked at ways that he could volunteer or do something to, 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 to fill his days as such. Um, we came across Muscat Dog Adoption and we found out that they had a shelter um, and there was a very small team because there was a small number of dogs that went twice a week to walk the dogs. Mm. Martin's always liked dogs. So he then went along and started doing that. And then I started going at the weekends when I wasn't working. Yeah. And that's how we got into it to start with. And then one of the coordinators here, um, who I actually met on the day that she left, um, was leaving. So I was asked to take over the role of kind of pound coordinator, as it's called, shelter coordinator. Okay. So I, I kind of got into it that way, really. And I was doing the kind of foster adopt interviews, meeting the people at the pound. Yeah. Um, and there was another lady here who was doing um, like the vet runs, because obviously our dogs need to go to the vets. They need to be oh, vaccinated, microchipped, neutered. And Wait, then we, microchipped? Microchipped. Oh, yeah, that's a whole other thing. I don't, so, I'm not aware of any. Okay. So it's a little bit like, a, it's not quite like a GPS. It's a little bit, so it's a little chip that goes into the back of their neck. And basically it's an ID number, mm. a little bit like your residence card. Sounds a little bit like Black Mirror. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little residence card in the back of your neck. So basically it just gives you a number. Now, um, in Oman, these microchips are registered to the individual vets. Mm. There's no national database. So in the UK, all the microchips are registered to a national, national database. So if Ooh. your dog goes missing and it, the swipe, It, they pick it. They pick it up. They'll microchip read it, yeah. and it'll come up on a database who the dog belongs wow, to. Wow, I love that. It's a great idea, but as so many of the dogs here are not microchipped, uh. so we always, if we find a stray dog, take it to check for a microchip first. Okay. Um, but it's quite difficult because all the vets have their own database. Yeah. So something else that would be ideal here is a national database for yeah. microchips, and also. You know, in the UK, a couple of years ago, they started in, uh, it's now law that all dogs, and this year it's cats, have to be microchipped. And you get fined if you don't. So I think having that in place, mm. you know, it costs 20 real to get a dog microchipped. Yeah. You know, um, I, I honestly, Liz, I, I never understood oh, like where the lack of care comes from. And, and, and particularly, I know you probably can't speak for the, uh, on this, but in our culture, because I studied, you know, at school when we studied and we studied Islam and the Quran, mm. this was mentioned over and over, رفق بالحيوان, رفق بالحيوان, having mercy to animals. Mm. So the total disregard, not total, but the largely disregard of this matter, I really don't understand from a cultural standpoint, because... A lot of our culture is influenced by Islam. Mm. So from a cultural standpoint, where is this disregard coming from? Why do we not care more? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there are stray populations around the world as well. It's not obviously not just Oman. Mm. So, but they seem to be, as I said earlier, further on in caring for their stray population and trying to deal with it. Um, there, there are still cases in the UK, Europe, many countries, you've got the RSPCA in the UK, mm. who are still dealing with cruelty cases. You still have people who do not treat animals properly. 
Um, I remember seeing the other day, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention what's going on in the news at the moment, um, but a lot of the dogs here, you know, one of our policies is you take the dog with you when you leave. Hmm. So my cat, I have a cat, um, he is ready to travel to the UK. He's had his blood test, everything ready to go. That's my home country. I'm prepared for him to travel. Okay. A lot of people aren't prepared, you know, and obviously when COVID hit, um, a lot of people were released from their jobs oh. and they were scrabbling. So you need to have vaccinations up to date. You need to have your microchips on. You need to know the process of taking the dog back to the home country. And so all the, all the pets... Uh remained here when the owners left? Not not all of them. Like, um, like we certainly saw there was more people trying to mm. rehome. Now, okay. we know how difficult it is to rehome a dog anyway. So you need to take that responsibility. It, to me, it's like leaving a family member behind. Yeah. And currently in the news, I remember just seeing a picture before I came in here, uh, the, the, the terrible thing that's happening in the Ukraine at the moment. Mm -hmm. You know, I've seen people carrying their pets with them. Hmm. as they're going to a different country. And I'm like, you know, we can get on a plane with a pet. It's it, it's it's relatively easy. It's not that expensive. It's To me, it's like leaving a child behind. It just does not make sense. Mm -hmm. um, so people need to be prepared, you know, to take their animals with them when they leave. Sometimes it's not possible if you're going to, I mean, I know some countries it's really hard. You know, if you've got an older dog, for example, and you're trying to go to somewhere like Australia who have really strict quarantine rules, they have to quarantine for, I think it's three months in another country and the three months when they get to Australia. So it's not always easy. There are exceptional circumstances. Mm. But, you know, most people need to be prepared to take a family member with them. They wouldn't leave their child behind. Yeah. Don't leave an animal behind. Um, and I think, sorry, I'm carrying on talking. No, um, go ahead. I think the other thing um, here, obviously, we, all countries have breeders. You know, um, and that that's part that's part and parcel of society. But it's a little bit like this microchipping. Uh, I think maybe the breeders need to take the responsibility of microchipping the dogs before they sell them. Right. You know, going back to that puppy thing, everyone thinks a puppy's cute and fluffy. They are hard work, you know, and they grow up and they get big. And some of the breeds that are here that are being bred, like Huskies, German Shepherds, In my opinion, I don't think Husky should be in Oman. No. <laughs> That's my opinion. I, I, don't, I think, I think it's, it's a hot. very valid opinion. It's a very valid opinion. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I've heard stories of, of German shepherds being taken into the vet literally in their owner's arms, you know, and going in and, and it's come out dead. It's got heat stroke. Man. You know, it, it's a hot country. And so unless you're going to keep your dog inside and many people walk their dogs at four, half past four in the morning during the summer and will not walk them till 10 o'clock at night. You know, literally, so they're not out. They're in the AC during the day. I'm not saying don't keep a dog. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying don't get a Husky or German Shepherd. I just don't think they're necessarily the best dogs to, to have in a hot country. No, I'll say it. Don't get it. Yeah. It's, well, yeah. <laughs> don't get it in Oman. Adopt, don't shop. That's the uh, that's the, the hashtag to a certain extent. You know, there's so many dogs yeah. here already. I'm I'm not against breed dogs. I, I like breed dogs. Um, mm. I'm actually allergic to dogs. So that's a whole other thing. <laughs> no. Yeah, I am. I'm allergic to dogs and cats, believe it or not. Wow, um, the irony. I know. It's mad, isn't it? Yeah. So um, although I have a cat at home, I manage with him. <laughs> and to be fair, when I work at the shelter, I'm outside. So okay. I can cope with that. But if I go into someone's house and they've got a dog, <laughs> antihistamines. This is what I'm curious about, okay? Because I, I, I just don't understand... I know somebody's got to do what you're doing, mm. but I struggle seeing myself doing what you're doing. I feel like I don't know if I can bear 
seeing that suffering every single day because I followed once one of the um, rescue pages on Instagram I couldn't I, no. I had to stop no it was m- m- genuinely affecting me my, my mental health yeah and this is me just looking at a picture yeah. yet alone going there and actually being there and witnessing it with your own eyes how how <laughs> well I mean t- t- to a certain extent I mean there are a lot of rescuers out there hmm. you know I I as I said I've never found a stray dog. Quite ironically, I've never found a stray dog. A lot of the rescuers contact us. I mean, a lot of the rescuers will take that animal to the vet, you know, pay for it out of their own money for it to be treated. Mm -hmm. Or they might ask us for help. Now, now we don't receive any funding. All All our vet bills and food for the dogs and things like that is all on donations. Mm. So, but a lot of rescuers take the money out of their own pocket and help that animal either if it needs to be put to sleep because it, it can't survive or it's not going to leave good quality of life or to pay for it to be treated and get vaccinated, microchipped. Um, I mean, there's a very famous Omani lady, of course, who has many, many cats. Yep. Um, I, I actually but, interviewed her a long, yeah, long time ago. So I popped up to her house last week Yeah. because uh, she also has quite a few dogs now as well. Yes. So, you know, she pays for that all out of her own pocket. Yep. You know, that's a lot of money for that number of animals. That's, you know, it's a very noble, very noble pursuit. But man, I imagine living in that house. To be fair, I've been. I mean, I'm as I said, I'm allergic. Yeah. I, I take two two antihistamines when I go to that house. Oh, um, but I mean, she's got people working for her who look after those animals amazingly well. You mm. know, I've seen the conditions in that they are very good. Mm. You know, and. The, bear in mind the number of animals she's got. Yeah. Um, it's it, it's very clean. It's kept spotless. Those animals are in tip-top condition. Yeah. You know, and she's at the vets almost every day, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, so, you know, there are people paying for things like this out of their own pocket. Um, and I, I pay for things out of my own pocket as well, as, as many people do. So, but obviously vets need to be paid for. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, at the moment, um, I think just going back to Muscat dog adoption. I mean, we, we have one of the only shelters in Muscat. Now we are in that shelter as a favor Mm. and we have been basically since 2008. Um, Now that's the ministry of agriculture and fisheries. And we're very grateful to them for giving us that space. That's great. But unfortunately, you know, it's prime land. So they've decided to sell it. There's development coming in. So we, we actually have to move Mm. by the middle of April. Now we've got dogs there. So where do we put them? So we're rushing to try and get the dogs. Amazing groups in Canada, you know, have agreed to take all the dogs. Yeah. You know, um, people are being amazing, giving us donations and fundraising. You Mm. know, it's about 250 real to send a dog. Oh, okay. And we've got about 18 at the pound at the moment. Yeah. Um, And then obviously that's if we've got a person who's going to take the dogs on their ticket for us flying to Montreal, for example, where we need to get our dogs to. So there's quite a lot of pieces to the puzzle, but that's where the amazing team comes in. You know, people sorting out donations, people posting, the rescue groups in Canada. I mean, it's a massive team effort. If somebody is listening right now and something moved them and they want to help, how can they help? Well, firstly, just getting the message out there. I mean, at the first, foster, fostering dogs, Mm -hmm. fostering Cats, if you don't like dogs, that's also fine. There are other rescue groups out there that do cats. You know, as I said, coming back to it, just be kind to them. Um, Slightly higher up the scale, donations, you know, our vet bills 
at the three vets we use are extremely high. Where can they find you? Um, well, I mean, the best thing to do would be to uh, message us on Muscat Dog Adoption on mm. the Facebook or Instagram page. At um, Muscat Dog Adoption on Instagram and or Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, okay. exactly. Message us on there and then we can give you details to donate uh, yeah. money. Um, also, we still have the dogs at the pound, so we need food. Yeah. You know, they always need feeding. Um, and also getting the the word out there that really at the moment, what we're struggling with is people to take the dogs on the flight with them. Now, that doesn't mean you have to sit with a dog next to you <laughs> on the plane. Why not? Oh, uh, well, Sounds it would fun. be great. 18 dogs all around <laughs> you on a plane. We'll just book out a plane with dogs. It'd be wonderful. It sounds like it should be a movie or uh, something. But it's, but it's very simple. You know, if you, it, it, there are certain airlines that make it easier hmm. to transport dogs. So... I don't know whether I can say their names or not. Sure, why not? Okay, yeah. so Qatar Airways, okay. um, uh, KLM. Mm-hmm. So Qatar Airways mainly to Canada at the moment, Montreal, mm-hmm. because there are still COVID restrictions in place. So a lot of the airlines are still not taking animals. Mm. So Qatar Airways to Montreal. If you happen to be flying to Montreal on Qatar Airways, get in contact with us. You know, you don't have to do hardly anything mm. we, we deal with the dogs at the airport when you check in. We meet you at the airport. Nice. We give you the paperwork. You carry a folder. The other end, yes, you will need to put the dogs, pick up the crate and put it on a trolley, hand the customs paperwork to the, the, the people at customs, and then there's people waiting to collect the dogs. So it's nice. no different to really than walking through customs with Luggage. a suitcase. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You know, and by doing that, we've got dogs that have already got homes in Canada waiting to go. You know, and if we can get them out, that would be fantastic. At Muscat Dog Adoption, Instagram so, and Facebook. Facebook, yeah. Muscat Dog Adoption, Instagram and Facebook. That's the easiest thing to do. So, as I said, yeah. money, food, message out, flight buddies. And also, as I said, we're sending dogs to the UK and Europe. Mm. So, anyone flying KLM to Amsterdam, let us know. Because you could be a flight buddy to a dog that's already adopted in the UK. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Liz. I really appreciate it. Is there anything you'd like to say before we end tonight's session? No, I don't think so. I thank you very much for having me. And I hope I've just managed to get a little bit of the message out there. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Ain't nobody listening. Ain't nobody listening. Ain't nobody listening.